0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the R.I.P. Tour. Um, we know this one has been one that people have been wanting for a while since we announced it. Um, Ash, the historian, spent hours and hours writing the script. Um, we also have a special guest join us today, which I'll get into in a second. We can't do a show until we uh, announce our other tour guide. So, Ash, how are you doing?
1: Doing good. Yeah, happy to be here as always. And... 19 days left until the event i'm super super excited cannot wait and very very excited for the guests we have today
0: yep and introducing our other tour guide now i'm just joking tim isn't here and luke isn't here so it's just me and ash the british take over today Um, but we do have one american on the show and i'm very happy to announce um her as a guest she's a dear friend to me and uh we speak about horror nights quite often and for the past two years, I've managed to hide in the background of her videos without her seeing, um, which is becoming a running joke now. So, Liz, welcome to the show.
2: Hello. I half expected you not to show up today, honestly.
0: Because, because we have our cameras on, I was going to start the show with me under the desk, <laughs> just so that you couldn't see me face. In, I was expecting in, that. And keep tradition, <laughs> but I, I thought I would be, be a gentleman and... uh And face up, but yeah, very excited for you to come on the show because today we are going to be talking about Legendary Truth, the collective, and we decided there was nobody else we would want to talk about this to than you because you are the queen of Legendary. Very
2: excited to be here and talk about it and share all my nerdiness for Legendary Truth.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to be honest; I have never done anything at Halloween Horror Nights to do with Legendary Truth. I have read up about it. I'm not an expert because I have the worst memory. Um, so I'm going to pass it over to Ash. Ash, take it away.
1: Yeah, so the reason I'm so excited Liz is here as well is because I have done all the years Legendary Truth have been involved, but I was still back and forth from England at the time. So we just had random days in October. We went to the event, but Liz has done it all uh, pretty much, del- delving deep into the games, the meetups, et cetera. So we're going we're gonna to touch on that. But the reason we're covering this is because of the announcement, the recent announcement last week with the maze, legendary truth case files unearthed, um, and legendary truth is a very integral, uh, intricate part of uh, Halloween Horror Nights history. Um, and like you said earlier, Gary, people are people are ready for this episode. They want to learn um, as well. And then we did have a little bit of history that we're going to go over the lines we've done here for like the audiobook style. And then I think we're going to pick Liz's brain. Uh, about it as well. Um, But just talking to Liz now, are you able, Liz, just to kind of give you, give your kind of background on your attendance of Horror Nights among the years?
2: Sure. So I went to Halloween Horror Nights for the very first time in 2001. I was a baby little high school student and had the spontaneous opportunity to go to Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know that I ever would have gone if I hadn't been pushed in peer pressure stuff, but I went for 2001 for the first time, and I've been every year since, except for 2002, 2008, and 2020. <laughs> so this year will be my 20th Horror Nights.
1: Wow, that is um, that is some because that's some going. I think the the um, the first time you got I guess peer pressure into going, that was probably a good move on your part. Then listening to that, <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely.
1: All right, <laughs> <laughs> and then. Just in terms of what, typically asked, do you have a favorite year that you've attended like holistically?
2: 2011, four nights, 21, best year for houses of all time, in my opinion.
1: No question. I I absolutely agree with that. The house lineup that year was really, really good. And do you have a favorite maze and zone?
2: So I can't just pick one for either one of those because I've been so many years. So for maze, I have two. It's either Scarecrow or The Forsaken. Those two are my faves. And then for Scare Zones, I have three. I have seven, Vamp 55, and Invasion.
0: Ooh, Vamp 55. (laughs) Sorry, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) I always got a lot of of hate for that.
1: Yeah, I see, I see every time you post that, uh, people uh-huh. people have a lot people have a lot to say about that. So that's I'm all.
2: always there to heckle him about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, the uh, the Eddie the likes camera hacktion Scare zone's got a little representation too. Invasion. um fifty five. About fifty five about 55 too. So that's my zone. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a fun one for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, so what we've got here then is a little bit of history. We've all chipped in with the audiobook style that people seem to enjoy. So um relax take a seat have a listen to the history of legendary truth the collective among the years at halloween horror nights Uh, enjoy
0: legendary truth the collective is a fictional paranormal research group that started in 2008 at halloween horror nights reflections of fear Legendary Truth's involvement has been, in essence, a deeply layered game designed to make the HHN experience more unique and interactive. In 2008, Legendary Truth investigated the strange incident surrounding the event icon, Bloody Mary. Guests could log on to the Legendary Truth website and follow along with the investigation as clues were discovered and added regularly during the lead-up to the event and during the season, which helped shed some light on the incidents surrounding Dr. Mary Agner. Also, guests could go to the park during the event and search for clues around the park.
3: Legendary Truth was formed in the late 1950s by private investigator Boris Schuster. He began investigating the mysterious disappearances and incidents that involved Mary Agana and her patients. Schuster started Legendary Truth after the disappearance of a subject that he hired and the subsequent investigations that followed. He hired a freelance photographer by the name of Charlie McPherson to follow a man called Frank Bennett. His wife had suspected him of infidelity and ultimately exposed Bennett as a cheater. After this, McPherson made an appointment with Dr. Mary Agana as he was scared and haunted by some of the pictures he took and soon went missing. However, McPherson was killed by Dr. Agana during an extreme therapy method to try and cure McPherson of his phobia.
1: Boris Schuster decided to investigate McPherson's disappearance. While digging a little deeper, Schuster realized that Charlie McPherson wasn't the only one that had disappeared after having visited Mary Agana. In actuality, seven patients had either gone insane or vanished after a therapy session with her, which coincided with the mazes at Reflections of Fear. Schuster made an appointment under the pretense that he was going to be a patient and exposed the evil and twisted therapy sessions that were being performed here.
4: The horror that Schuster found was never documented but two things happened. Mary Agnes was never seen again and Boris Schuster was initially charged with Mary's murder. After it was found that Boris was not Mary's killer, he formed the group Legendary Truth The Collective. The group was to research the mysterious disappearance of Mary Agna, as well as other strange paranormal events over the years. The Collective part
0: refers to the fans of the event as Legendary Truth always asks for involvement from the fans to help solve its cases and mysteries. In 2008, The fans could get involved and use clues from the website to solve parts of the cases and there was a big collective meetup on the final night of the event to search the park for clues as part of a scavenger hunt including a boat ride on Jaws which ended up with cookies and refreshments which could go on to become a running theme.
3: For Halloween Horror Nights 20, Legendary Truth also got involved in the lead up to the event to help solve the secret of fear. On social media, it was shown that there was a rift between people higher up in the Legendary Truth organization, with Boris Schuster being mysteriously removed as part of the staff.
1: Also, the termination and disappearance of a trusted cell director of the collective led to a search of his office, referred to as an intellectual sanitization. During this sanitization, the collective discovered an email from an anonymous source working in Universal Orlando's art and design department, which showed archived photographs and also included a transcript of a phone conversation with the employee which mentioned the lantern, used in 20 years of fear's advertising, emphasizing the potential danger of it and claiming that no one can stop it.
4: Soon after the discovery of the evidence, Legendary Truth opened its investigation, reactivating the collective website and started a new Facebook account to recruit new and old collective members and to hack into the website. Clicking on the lantern and waiting for a few seconds would lead to a message appearing from Legendary Truth, altering visitors to the looming threat and directing them to their website. The collective updated their page with the archive photos from the source, linking a man named Albert Kane, the Midway of the Bazaar, Fright Yard and the Festival of the Dead among others and the photos appeared to be burnt. The team were able to get their hands on a series of 20 of these burned
0: photos, and they were shared with the Collective which showed past events on them. Legendary Truth the Collective analyzed these photos and discovered that they were actually pieces of a puzzle. After they assembled the puzzle, they accidentally released fear from his lantern and unleashed the last 19 years of horror onto the event.
3: 2010 also had the Wyandotte Estate, which was a haunted house in Cary, Ohio, that Legendary Truth came to investigate and was part of the Warehouse Experience website. The Warehouse Experience was a series of mini games that took place on the sets of five Halloween Horror Nights houses with different objectives for the player to help solve clues about the maze to find spirits through a camera.
1: The Wyandotte Estate was built in the 1920s in Cary, Ohio by the entrepreneur Malcolm Wyandotte and his wife Lydia. The house had been rumored to be haunted since Malcolm brutally killed 13 dinner guests, including his wife Lydia, before he committed suicide on October 30th, 1929. Legendary Truth decided to go and investigate the strange happenings in the estate. However, the team got more than they bargained for as the ghosts and spirits would greet them with vengeance. The Spirit Seekers invented a machine that actually gathers spirits towards it and they decided to do a live stream and video of the haunted house.
4: Two years later in 2012 was Horror Unearthed which was designed for the fans as an in-park experience which tied loosely to Legendary Truth you can join a legion of horror which were roaming hordes that took the role of this year's scare zone. The legions were strengoits, carabins, bacanoids, mascorians, morphins, carazans and finally the inquidus You could earn points for your legion online and in the park for visiting locations and scanning in. The trophies of each of the legion are from the horror unearthed online game
0: and are featured in one of the basements of the legendary Truth Mansion. During the last night of Halloween Horror Nights 22, players were tasked to find 300 figures to scan their cards with. Players who were able to get the RFID cards scanned and assembled at the horror makeup show building, where the Legion's banners and trophies were held on display, along with refreshments again with cookies, and were able to attend a presentation by the Halloween Horror Nights creative directors.
3: The following year, Halloween Horror Nights 23 saw the return of Legendary Truth in a bigger capacity and took place even before the event started. In spring of 2013, a Legendary Truth panel at Halloween Extreme in Orlando teased the future of Legendary Truth. The event also showed Dr. Calvin Thorncastle, the director and new face of Legendary Truth, explaining some behind the scene things and questions the loyalty of some of the collective. He also hinted at a new game to follow on from the Horror on Earth game that would be coming for HHN 23.
1: Players logged in to LegendaryTruth.com, and once logged in, players found the Legendary Truth mansion, which was made up of multiple levels. Some levels were restricted, but were unlocked over the course of the event. For example, one level was home to the Legion vessels, which were locked in containment chambers. Over the course of the event, each chamber was unlocked, and like Horror on Earth, Players could click on the vessels
4: and play the online games. Each Legion vessel had two games associated with them this time around. One game was the same from Horror Unearthed, plus a new game. Each game awarded players 10 points for a win. Game point values did not change over the course of the gameplay, unlike Horror Unearthed. The online players were called CRO, which stands for a Collective Remote Operative who got different clues to players who were in the park.
0: Playing in the park was identical to Horror Unearthed. Players would scan their RFID card at the scanner located at the exit of each house and received points and online badges. RFID cards for Legendary Truth were not free at this time like in 2012 and if one decided not to get a card, they could get a free RFID sticker placed on their pass. But if you had a frequent fear pass, you could then play automatically. In the park, players had CFO on their card, which was an acronym
3: for Collective Field Operative. Certain tasks that were given for players to complete and online badges were once again rewarded for every achievement accomplished. Tasks usually involved completing all eight houses in a certain order, which usually changed nightly depending on clues. There were also scanners located in various windows around the park and were usually tacked on for good measure to complete certain tasks.
1: Other tasks included finding certain characters that are part of the legendary truth mythos where you could even ask questions about the evolving Legendary Truth storyline. One such storyline involved the mysterious P.S., who was leaving cryptic videos on the Horror Knights website, and their true identity was also concealed. This would eventually be identified as Paige Steerington, who was hell-bent on investigating the corruption inside Legendary Truth after the disappearance of the father.
4: The final night of 2013 was another meet-up in New York with Dr. Thorncastle, who addressed the crowd on the Blues Brothers stage in the New York area, and a and director T.J. Monerino thanked all the collective for their participation during the lead-up to the event and the months surrounding the event. And cookies returned again for the collective to enjoy albeit they were fortune cookies this time, which had Beware the Horror Within on the Fortune Inside.
0: Legendary Truth went quiet for most of Halloween Horror Nights 24, but released an app that could be used on the final four nights of the event. The app was called TEST, Tactical Evaluation of Spectrum Terrors. They used Bluetooth technology as opposed to the RFID cards from prior years. Players would search the streets for scare actors who would affect a meter on the app known as a Spectrum Response Gauge, or SRG for short. Your meter would go up or down depending on if you encountered a bad scare actor or a good scare actor. Each scare zone in each house also represented the six different legions. Your meter would also be affected as you entered the houses also.
3: Different areas of the park corresponded to different legions and the app would sometimes give you a warning if you needed to leave the scare zone to avoid your SRG meter from going down. In addition to this, as players walked the park, six touchstones were located in various sections of the park. In Sting Alley, a different poster appeared there every day and the poster contained the location of the various touchstones, but players would have to solve the riddle on the poster to unlock their locations. If players found all six Legion's touchstones, it unlocked a master seal which you exchanged for a return time ticket, which gave them top secret Legendary Truth information and insight and tested out new technology.
1: In 2015, Legendary Truth took a similar approach to the year before. On the final weekend, the investigation took teams of six collective members on a search, where they came into contact with evidence using RFID badges on a scavenger hunt. It was revealed that perhaps someone in the Legendary Truth organization was responsible for letting Jack the Clown out of his box, Fear out of his lantern, and maybe they were responsible for all of Fear's heralds. This circles back to Calvin Thorncastle, questioning the loyalty and motives of the higher-ranked Legendary Truth members and the collective.
4: After investigating the Legendary Truth Mansion, collective members were taken to a room surrounded by evidence that the collective had to solve. Part of the experiments were the use of VR with the use of goggles. It was concluded that there had been corruption in the organization, particularly among the senior staff's inner circle, as one of the senior staff members, Richard Steerington, had gone missing since 2012 while he was on a fishing trip in Amity Island, New England. According to his daughter, Paige, who was the infamous P.S. from 2013, a member of the legendary Truth Gabriel Fell was responsible for his disappearance, possibly to take his place in the higher ranks' inner circle.
0: In 2016, using all the technology from prior years, Halloween Horror Nights revealed its first ever upcoming upcharge house, The Repository. This was accumulation of solving puzzles with a VR experience which was a combination of what the Collective had been doing for years prior.
3: After corruption was identified in its ranks, who knows what the organization has been up to over the last five years as Legendary Truth has been dormant since then. Could that all change with the looming 30th anniversary of Halloween Horror Nights?
0: right guys welcome back hope you enjoyed that again we love doing audiobook style it may not be everybody's cup of tea but we enjoy doing it something different and uh, we know a lot of you guys love the history stuff that we do because we know a lot of you guys are newer me myself I'm I'm new at the event I want to be going what five six years um 25 was my first year so all the stuff that I never got to experience I love learning on and I couldn't think of a better person than Ash the historian. To uh, to write all the scripts and do all the behind the scenes stuff, and I think like by the first week that he'd been on the show, he's wrote like he had wrote like eight scripts, um, for different various history events. But obviously, with the announcements of Horror Nights 30, um, we wanted to concentrate on stuff like Legendary Truth. We have a Carrie episode, uh, the Icon episode did brilliant, so we hope you all enjoyed that. And um, but now, um, we are going to talk with Liz, um, all about Legendary Truth. So I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let Ash take over. I'm going to listen, I'm going to learn, and hopefully you do as well.
1: Yeah, so like <laughs> I mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm I'm pretty well-versed in in the history, the lore of all this, but this is when we talked about it as a group. We said there's no person we'd rather have on than Liz to talk about this. Just those first-hand experiences are just priceless. Yeah. Um. But I do want to talk, first and foremost, just about um, where it first came from. So obviously the significance of Boris Schuster in the lore of Halloween Horror Nights, despite never really featuring in like a maze, zone. Um, but I'll start with you then first, Gary. What are you expecting this year uh, from the case files on Earth? Because it does say you kind of step into the shoes of Boris stuff. So what are you kind of expecting in terms of the maze for this year for that one?
0: So for me, who knows absolutely nothing about this other than what I've read, and I've never, again, got to experience it, so I'm not going to pretend that I know everything, but I think it's going to be maybe as a continuation of where sort of it all left off from years ago. Um, I think we're going to be represented as Boris within the house and we're going to maybe be solving a mystery or something like that. That's just the, the vibe I sort of got it from the house description and some of the art that I saw. Um, so I think they're going to be bringing stuff back, you know, from the past, but also a continuation and maybe expanding on the story that's already been built, you know?
1: Yeah, not for sure. And Liz, what, what are you thinking in terms of the... Kind of overall theme for the maze? Any kind of ideas, any kind of wish list things on there that you'd like?
2: So I'm hoping that we pick up where the story kind of left off, maybe even getting to see a little hint of what happened with Dr. Mary Agatha during their fateful meeting. And maybe we travel through time after that going through boris's investigations after mary once he's been released seeing what he did with the collective and legendary truth after that and all the different cases that he studied aside from dr mary Agatha.
1: absolutely and do you you think when you when you go through because i think we're going to go through i guess case by case maybe sequence by sequence in the maze are you thinking it maybe has maybe each kind of legion is represented Oh, that would be
2: that would be excellent. I hadn't even thought about that yet, but yeah, that would be really awesome if we were each kind of scene, we were investigating a creature that's part of each legion. That would be awesome.
1: Yeah, and I think people do like those kind of scene by scene mashups. I'm thinking of like Slender Cinema, uh, HR Blood and Guts. You know, those kind of sequence, different. That's what I'm
2: expecting. That's in my mind with the different case files. Like you go through different scenes, different creatures different time periods, all of it.
1: Yeah, and so, so much potential as well. And this event as a, as a whole, like holistically, I think is a throwback to the fans. I think the four, what is the original? Four, six split with the uh, six, four yes. split, should I say? Um, so yeah, big one for the fans there. Now, in a sense, Boris Schuster and the whole, his kind of back hasn't really featured at all like let's just say post reflections of fear um so i mean what is the significance of boris schuster in um like horror night's lore horror night's history why is he so popular among the uber fans but not really featured for maybe what 12 13 years
2: right i think it's partially the mystery because we learned so much about his involvement with bloody mary in 2008 and then he kind of disappeared from the lore so i think everyone is super interested to know his story and he has the office that's there in universal we see his name in the park and i think everyone wants to know more about him
1: yeah i think that's that's a that's a that's a good way of putting it that kind of mystery the allure about it um for sure and it's funny you mentioned the um his office in the New York facades earlier. And I'm I'm not going on record here, but I'm was that there before Reflections of Fear? Was it there before the event?
2: No, I, well, I'm not sure the timeline anymore because it's been so long of whether or not they installed it right before the final investigations. I want to say, and I can't say for certain, but I want to say they installed it before that final night of investigations. But it wasn't in the park before that. It was installed specifically for, for the four uh, nights. Yeah.
1: Got it. And then coming coming to the actual final night of Reflections of Fear, I know you were not there personally. Correct. But you've you've got a lot of contacts, I believe. And yeah uh, and um so are you able to kind of talk us through maybe the final kind of meetup and maybe the success it had to for future events also? So
2: I can give you kind of a run through of what I've heard happen that night. 2008 was kind of my gateway year into getting really into the lore of Halloween Horror Nights. 2005 kind of introduced me with all the Terra Queen, but 2008 was the first year I was super involved with the website. I just couldn't go that year. But I had friends who attended the final night, and it sounds like it was set up like a scavenger hunt where you were told certain places to be and you worked in groups to solve various riddles that were given to you when you went to that specific spot. So. Members of A&D were there to kind of give you a clue. Everyone worked on the clue and met up in different places. And of course, the highlight was the best Jaws tour ever, led by Captain Lazy Bastard, who was <laughs> Rick Spencer. And he took groups on the Jaws tour of Legendary Truth. So it was just jokes for Legendary Truth, but a little bit of more information about the story. And then he gave the final meetup spot which was to get their cookies.
1: Yep. So the lore of the cookies, we'll, we'll touch on that as well. Um, Cause that does come up um, quite a lot moving forward as well throughout the history. And I think the, the jaws, right? Cause I think it was rumored that Boris used to have like a summer home in Amity. I believe. Yeah. So
2: he makes that joke in the, and there is actually a YouTube video. You can find a YouTube video of the jaws tour. Someone filmed it. Um, but yes, he makes the joke that Boris's summer house and he gives the hint that Boris is still alive. Cause at this point, we didn't know. We
4: right. didn't know what
2: happened to Boris. So he does give the hint that Boris is still alive at that point.
1: Got it. And that's, and that's a nice little segue actually into um, the next um, year. Legendary Truth were involved, which was 2010, all surrounding um, Fear's release and the involvement um, around the collective. Now, in terms of this, do you think the collective, in the storyline, the collective were used um Kind of like corruption was already happening by then. The collector oh, yeah. we used to release fear,
2: absolutely. And we all got that feeling during it while it was happening. We all had shady feelings about Gabriel Fell. We yep. had a feeling that something wrong was happening and that we were being used. But you know, we wanted to put together the puzzle. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that, that and that is the most brilliant thing about this because, in in a sense, it is all a game, right? It's, it's to involve the fans. It's all a game, but. It just makes it more real. It makes everybody involved um, a lot more. Um, But yeah, you could even see the corruption going on early through
2: uh, the collective. And, And how these days we kind of all speculate on what houses are happening, what scare zones are happening. At that point, we were speculating about houses, but we were also speculating about legendary truth lore and what was happening behind the scenes. And were we being used? Were people good or bad? It was just adding to the speculation before the season even started.
1: Exactly, and this was this kind of release and the photo, like the burnt photographs, that was all done through Facebook this year.
2: All through Facebook for two thousand ten.
1: Okay, got it. Really they fine. did and have
2: they did have a separate little site, but all the communication was done through Facebook.
1: Through Facebook, okay. And then in terms of the photographs, uh, because again, um, I'm not going to pretend I was involved heavily here. I, I didn't really use the website or Facebook around that time. Was it was it a case of Leading up to the event or during the event, were were photos released all at once or was it, was it kind of like staggered so to, to do it? For
2: 2010, if my memory serves me, because it does start getting fuzzy after a little bit, but everything for 2010 was leading up to the event and it went silent once the event started. Basically, as soon as we released Fear from the Lantern, there were crickets. So it was all just leading up to the event, leading up to the icon reveal, essentially, and it was gradual over time.
1: Mix, yep, yeah, mix, and this is why we have you on, Liz, because we are, <laughs> none, of, none, of, none of these things we are delving into a little bit, but and also as well, this is very, very heavy on using the website, and we're we going to touch on the in-game uh, mm-hmm. apps and Bluetooth and things because, really, if you think about it, what have we had for Legendary Two? Just one, one maze. We had the wind-up state, so just one maze since two thousand eight.
2: Trying to think through, I think that was but, the only. One that had the full Legendary Truth label on it. I yeah,
1: think so. I th- think yeah, I think it was that, that was called you know Legendary Truth, the Wind Out State. So they do focus heavy on the website, the in-game experience, which is which is great. Mm-hmm. And and then 2011, nothing really happened um there. It was kind of like a combination of fear going back into the lantern, the icons taking a backseat. Then they also had a, a random icon for 2011, <laughs> um, but then we go into um, 2012 with all the whole horror unearthed experience. Um, now, before we kind of touch into the details of it, uh, what was your legion, Liz?
2: I was a morphin, morphin oh, for life.
1: <laughs> morphin for life. I was a kerizen. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. And what are your what are your like specific memories from the game? Like using it in park. Or how did you find the game? Like in terms of being receptive and
2: yeah, ha- so- how it added
1: to your experience.
2: Sure. So. I remember being there opening night and being super excited for opening night. And as we were exiting the park, they had a place where you could sign up to join. So basically right at guest service, guest service area, TJ Manorino was there literally signing people up for it. And that's, they had all the information about the different legions and they had all the banners out. And so we learned about the game from TJ himself and So that was, you know, kicking it off. It was like, oh, this is neat. This is for the fans. This is going to be amazing. So that year in particular, everyone was so excited to join their Legion and learn who was in their Legion because they did so much history as far as which icons were in which Legion, various horror characters. Everyone was getting sorted into their, you know, it's like Harry Potter, but for horror nights. (laughs) (laughs) So that was exciting. And everyone was learning, you know, meeting other people in their legions. Um, as far as the park experience, I mainly remember that year it being focused on the games on the website and scanning your card at the houses. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember that much else from that year as far as in park. It was mainly just the beginner of scanning your RFID at the houses.
1: Got it. No, and then did you do the um, the final night of the event? You I did. did. Right, I did. And it was it, you had to find 300 figures in the park. Once you did that, you could meet up at the, was it Horror Makeup Show location?
2: Yeah. So I think the intention was that you were supposed to chase the three different members of A&D who were in hoods and they were like in full robes. For my personal experience, my friend and I were kind of debating on whether or not we wanted to do this because we didn't know how long it was going to take. And we got the alert. So we knew something was happening. And we were sitting in a scare zone, and we just see one of the hooded figures go by and just see a mass of Horror Nights fans like chasing them. <laughs> so we're like, okay, I guess we're joining. And so basically, they didn't just stand in one spot and let you scan, they zigzagged all through the park, and you had to follow them. And then eventually, they would stop and scan a few cards. Okay. And then they'd start moving again. So it was really funny. We ended up getting one scan, which is all you needed. Um, and if you got the one scan, Then you got your virtual cookie. So that was the badge for your profile that you got your cookie. And then after that, you were invited to come to Horror Makeup for your actual cookie. And they had the actual cookies there. And if I remember correctly, because it was so hectic, they didn't require you to scan in order to get in. If you wanted to just come to the session and you knew about it, you could do that. So we went in, had our cookie, and then they had a question and answer session with A and D for us in the Horror Makeup venue.
1: Oh, so, okay. so no, no, nothing, to, nothing to kind of like solve or anything, just like question no, and answer?
2: No, it was just a meetup. Um, we got our cookie, just, just a happy, like chasing them around, celebrating the end of Legendary Truth. And then we got to ask them as many questions as we wanted, but we weren't allowed to film it.
1: Okay, that's why you can never, because I always try and find it, that's probably why.
2: I have, um, I have a vlog from it on my channel, but um, I vlog like the first couple of minutes. And then at that point they say, you can't film it. So it's okay. like a couple <laughs> seconds of TJ introducing it. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's like, <"Where's> my camera? <laughs> it's
0: like a YouTuber's worst dream that not it? Yep. When you get somewhere <laughs> and they see a can film.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was like, so excited. And they're like, no Spe- filming.
1: Especially something a little bit uh, more unique like that as well. And that was kind of really then, I, I guess, dipping their toes into the technology world, really, um, for, the, for the very first time. I don't know. Um, ask you, Gary, as well. In terms of the in park games, I mean, how how would you feel if um, I guess they did it for not necessarily Legendary Truth, but like an in park game? Would that make it more, I guess, special? Going to certain houses, getting the badges on there. Would you would you enjoy that? Do you think
0: I would absolutely? I would love that. Sometimes I go to Horror Nights and like I just can't be bothered to wait in lines for houses, so I just sort of go there for the atmosphere. Just grab some dinner, a couple of drinks, walk, do a lap through the scare zone. So I think. One of those nights where I really don't want to do maybe houses or if there was houses that you had to specifically go to to get like a stamp or a, a badge or something I would do that. But if it was an in-park game, I would definitely do that. I love the little things that they did the past couple of years with the um, the graveyard games story. Was it graveyard games that did that? The Facebook Messenger <laughs> yeah, where, where you message and he read up on that. I thought that was quite interesting. It was quite it was a bit long winded, um, but it did pass time in the queue because that queue was always long. And so that's possibly the only like sort of in park thing I really took place in. And um, so yeah, I would love to run around the park after hooded people, trying to, <laughs> trying, to trying to scan. But now it would be all like uh, like an Apple scan, wouldn't it? You would just have to touch, oh, yeah. touch oh, your you phone on a scare actor's back, and it would be all uh, <laughs> be all sorted these days, really.
2: What's What's funny on that, which is an aside, but back in the day, they used to every single house had a number that you could text, and it was basically like a choose your own adventure while you were in line. Wow. So uh, it was about the house. And so you'd text a certain number when you got in the line and then it would be following the story. Like if it was a Jason house, you'd be following the story and you'd pick your own adventure and it'd keep you busy in line.
0: And you wow. get home and you've got like a $200 phone bill. Yeah, it was like 2009-ish,
2: 2009, 2010. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's great. See, There's so, so much stuff I don't know as well, which is always good. <laughs> Obviously having guests on who's done that, all these first, first-hand experience of things uh, as well. But I think with, with horror nights, especially with their ol- originals, there's always a purpose to it. There's always a there's always a pretty intricate backstory. Everything, you know, like Carrie, for example, mm-hmm. Legendary Truth, Icons, all kind of culminating with fear. Everything's got a purpose, which I just love uh, the whole backstory. Um, but we were talking about this as well, Gary. Right? I think Legendary Truth, of, of, of out of all the lore and history, Legendary Truth is by far the most confusing, the most intricate. Oh, I definitely, yeah.
0: Like, I edited the uh, the lines portion, and Luke hasn't done any of that either. And, like, I was halfway through editing Luke's lines and just, like, the words that were coming out of out his mouth because he was getting angry because <laughs> he couldn't get the lines out, and I had to cut so much out. It was just hilarious. Um, but, it, but again, that's, that's why we love doing this. So, you know, for me especially, that's why I wanted to come on this episode because I haven't got a clue about it, but I wanted to learn. I'm interested in it, and I wanted to, to hear, like, a first... account from you guys you know
2: And I've I've lived it and I can't keep the lore like I was reading through the lore I'm like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) I remember the in park activities much better than I do the lore because the lore has just gone well all over the place over the years so it was nice to read your script and kind of refresh my memory on everything that's
4: happened it's actually
0: weird to say Ash stumped as well because normally you ask him a question and straight he just knows straight away so him and Tim yeah. did a vlog in the park last week, and Tim texted me and he was like, "I just asked Ash like crest questions, and he just straight away gave me an answer. He knew what props were reused from different houses and mm-hmm. different zones straight away. He said it was surreal.
1: Yeah, I think I think I've had a pretty good memory, but if I've done it, you know, if I've if I've been part of it, um, like like I said, I've said it quite a few times, but this is why we wanted you on this episode so much to uh, cover this stuff, and um, we'll go on to the kind of next one, which is, was the year after. Uh and this is um what I wanted to ask you the most about is the um extreme Halloween. And I think it, w- it was like the springtime of 2013, so Legendary Truth started a bit earlier that year.
2: Yes, yeah, so it was Halloween Extreme and it was May 2013. So May of, May of okay. We I don't remember, it must have been members of A and D that announced that they were going to be there and basically announced that they were doing a session and that if you were a fan, you wanted to be there because all of us knew it was happening. I've never been to Halloween extreme again. It was just that one time. And there were probably close to a hundred people there to see it. And they had chairs and everything set up and we didn't know what we were going for, but we knew they were going to do something for us. And so when we got there, we saw the legendary truth stuff out. So we got excited and Then they came out with Dr. Thorncastle, and Dr. Thorncastle did the introduction, essentially teasing that we were going to be getting called back in for service that fall.
1: Amazing, yeah. That's that's so good, especially to have it so so early in the year as well. Um, You know, to tease people what's coming on in the Mm -hmm. year uh, as well. well. And
2: oh, and I was gonna say, um, TJ mentioned because after Dr. Thorncastle left, TJ came up and spoke to all of us. The members of the team were there. That's when they showed us the merch for the first time. So they were showing us these T-shirts and the Legion hats and all the Legion gear that came out that year. So they were getting us excited for it. And at the time, TJ was telling us that they've seen, based from 2012 and how active we were, that horror nights for us doesn't end, you know, November 1st or November 2nd, whenever the event ends. It's a year-round event for us. So they wanted to start creating year-round content for us. And the sad part is that this is kind of the final year where you see that, that effort for a full year event, but you can tell that Andy wanted to do that. That was their goal was to create a year round story for the fans.
1: Yeah. And I've, 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 seen your, um, vlog for it as well. And we'll link obviously all your channels and vlogs that we can go to. And I've one thing I did like about that as well was, um, Dr. Thorncastle hinting, um it was what was he saying like it was questioning the collective's loyalty and
2: yes after that the that. events of 2010 they weren't sure about us.
1: <laughs> yeah no and that's why it just gets so intricate and it's just uh so funny now with the the in-park experience again it had a couple of different features like you had to do like housing in certain order um to gain more points if you would did you participate in that or did you do your own thing?
2: I did some of it. So 2013 became much more intricate so obviously you had your in park activities, but they really used the CFOs who were the operatives that were at home. So they would post prompts on Facebook. The Facebook group was still very active. So they would post like a riddle essentially on their Facebook page. The CFOs would have to solve the riddle and then basically post the answers to the CROs who were in the park. And so we would be in the park just like looking at our phones, waiting for the CFOs to tell us where to go or what we needed to do. And then we would go do it. So the ones at home would earn points for solving the riddle and they would get their own badges and their own points. And then in the park, we would get our own badges and our own like points for doing the certain house orders. And then it got even more intricate where certain nights, the legions would have to pick a leader and that leader would go get a card from a member of A&D and then it was in your best interest to group together as a legion. For instance, there was a multiplier card. And with the multiplier card, your leader of your legion would go through, scan that card, and then every member of the legion who came in right after him would get these extra points. So you could help get your team up the leaderboard by using this special card. So it encouraged everyone to work together, to band together as a group. Now, With the,
1: with the legion, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. Now myself as much as i like love to vlog and love to meet people i'm very much an introvert so for me i was like oh no <laughs> that's a lot of people so i didn't participate in those i saw it happening i knew kind of people that were participating but i did do some of the other ones that were for instance you'd get not only the house scans but they also had a few different legendary truth sticker scans in the park and they'd tell you say you have to go to twister RIP at 9.00 PM and scan that one or go to San Francisco at 9.30 and scan that one. And different legions had different locations at different times. So I did participate in those. I did some of the ones where it was, you know, eight houses in one night or the particular orders. They didn't usually make you do all eight for those. It'd be maybe three houses because they know, you know, it's too busy to try to do too many. But I did work on those.
1: Wow, it's amazing! Are you, are you following along there, Gary? You're getting that game. No, I, I think <laughs> it's
0: really, really, really interesting. I'm absolutely loving it in and, and it as well. It's a great way for Universal, the crowd control, to send exactly. massive groups of people at different sections of the park at the you same 100% time. We were
2: 100 guinea pigs. <laughs> like they were seeing if they could control crowds based on this kind of information. 100, and it worked. Stuff on it,
1: and then they the kind of te- you were like the collective were used, I guess, to kind of t- test out technology too. And, you, and, you, and obviously you'll see that leading up to mm-hmm. what happened, you know, the, uh, 2016. Yeah. Now. And then in 2000, the same year, Liz, uh, yes. the, the meetup in New York, I've seen a vlog that he did as well. That was in New York area. Was it on the blues brother stage?
2: Yes. So they put out a message on Facebook telling us basically it was a riddle, but it was very obviously that we were supposed to meet at the blues brother stage. So we arrived at a certain time and it started off with, We were all kind of congregated in that area and all of a sudden the crowd just went running over to one of the windows in New York where there's a cafe scene. And there were two characters from Legendary Truth who were talking to each other within the window. Now we couldn't hear them. We could just see them. And so everyone's (laughs) crowded on the window just watching them trying to see what they're doing. And then eventually they got up and left. And so we all went back to Blues Brothers and Dr. Thorncastle came out and eventually he introduced that the two people in the windows were goth wacky and oh man what was her name sandira sandira i think was her name she was one of the senior yeah sadira karush she was the senior communications director that we'd been getting messages from on facebook so they were having a chat in the window now that's goes back to all the lore from that year goth wacky was like sending us secret messages along the way. So it's very convoluted, the lore that year. But we got to meet them. We got to hear from Dr. Thorncastle, who thanked us for our investigation. And then TJ came out, thanked us, and we got our cookie for the year, which was a fortune cookie.
1: And and the, and the fortune cookie had a bit of an ominous message in there too.
2: Yes. So if you broke it open and translated I believe it was, beware the horror within. I think,
1: that yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. But that's such a, such a nice touch kind of rounding off the event, thanking all the collective, um, and having the up with obviously like-minded people. Um,
2: and it was busy. That whole area was packed, packed with people. Basically yeah, so that yeah. whole area where stay and Scream normally is, was just full of fans.
1: That's great. They, they have something, you know, they know they've got something, uh, especially with the collective being involved. Um, And then you'll see that again, obviously, the the year after for 24. Now, this was just, was it the last weekend? Was it the Bluetooth they had to use this year? They they dropped the RFID badges?
2: Yes. So 2014, nothing leading up to the event, nothing during the event until the final weekend when they released the test. It was T-E-S-T. I can't remember what those letters stood for, but it was the test app. And unfortunately for me, the test app did not work on my phone whatsoever. I went through great lengths to try to get it to work on my phone and it did not work for me. <laughs> so my participation was very slim and I had pretty much lost all hope because the idea was that last weekend you could go through the parks or go through the houses and it was supposed to track whether or not you went through a house without having to scan anything. It was just supposed to know and so you'd get points for that. And when you came out of the house, you were supposed to get a text that said, like, you know, you just went through this house. Wasn't getting those. And then it also had a thing where you could go up to scare actors and it was supposed to have a meter to know whether or not they were a good energy or a bad energy. Wasn't doing any of that. So the last portion of it was that you were supposed to be able to go and scan these six touchstones. And if you got all six, you would get invited to another experience. And so... Myself, I gave up all hope that I'd get to go because my phone wasn't working. And it just so happened that I lucked into a friend, completed it. We were there on a weekday. Her return time was at, I want to say, like 12.50 a.m. And she was like, no, I'm going to work the next day. I can't do this. Here, take mine. So. I had the opportunity to do the 2014 experience just because my friend had to go to work the next day.
1: (laughs) That was the the master seal, correct? If you completed it, you got the master seal. Okay. Um, And then what was the experience? Oh, man. Was that in the Horror Makeup Show or not?
2: No. So that one is where the, um, the, why can't I think of the name right now? The Tribute Store. Okay. It was in that area of the mummy where they'd keep doing the tribute stores now.
1: Very cool. And did you did you have to participate in anything, or was it quite? Q&A? Yes. So
2: this is probably the coolest experience I've ever done at Halloween Horror Nights. So I am so thankful that my friend decided need to bail to go to work the next day. <laughs> so we went in. You had small groups. It was a very small return time. Only I think maybe twenty people at a time came in for the return time, and they had all the legendary truth gear out. And we had a message from Dr. Thorncastle basically saying that they needed us to investigate. And so at that point, we were taken in groups of four. We had to turn in everything we had. We couldn't take our cell phones. We couldn't take phones because they were testing new technology. So they didn't want us recording anything by any chance. So we had to turn it all in basically to security. And we went in in groups of four. And in the moment... It's the most scared I've ever been at Halloween Horror Nights because in our minds, we were convinced we were going into some extreme house, like there were going to be actors grabbing (laughs) us. It was terrifying in our minds, but in actuality, it was technology testing. So we had three rooms. The first room, there were body parts on a table, and they had a logo on it, and you had basically an iPad and you scanned over the logo and you had to match that with a logo that was on a different table and you had to move the body part from that table to the table that matched its logo and then once you did that we were expecting like actors to come out and grab us but instead just a bunch of fog went off and we were pushed into the next room so once we got to the next room it was basically a chain link hallway and our guide took us in there and left us in there. So again, we're fully expecting to get attacked and we're all standing there together, just (laughs) freaking each other out. And it was really just a holding room. And once the next room was available, they took us in and we're like, okay, I think this is just (laughs) us in our minds. So the next room was a seance room, which becomes important for the 2015 lore. Because in the seance room, we sat down, we had another iPad that we had to scoot around a table kind of Ouija board style, and the lights went out, there were all sorts of noises, and all of a sudden we heard a bunch of growling. And so it turns out we released a spirit during the seance. So the next room was a long hallway where we took the iPad and we had to scan the walls and it had different phrases written on it. And finally, we went into a room where we witnessed an aberration. So we talked to the ghost of Red, who told us more lore doing what has to do with 2008. And basically, Captain Lazy Bastard murdered him. (laughs) And we were learning all sorts of story. But that was interesting because it was an actual actor who wasn't in the room, but we were seeing him and we were able to talk to him and ask him questions. So it was direct interaction with us. And then we uh, left, we got to take a picture with the legendary truth banner and get all our items back and just sit there in awe of
4: what just happened to us. <laughs>
1: wow. That's, I mean, I mean, that experience is just priceless.
4: Absolutely. You know, because
1: just think how, just like what, maybe a couple hundred people, maybe, you know, yeah, not even, was- and and just giving you extra backstories on the lore and stuff that even Uber fans are not going to know because they didn't attend. So just, just absolutely priceless. That's yeah,
2: such, coolest thing I've ever a... done at Horror Nights by far. Oh,
1: yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and then I know you said the uh, seance room um, is kind of what happened for the 2015 lore part of it. Do you want to kind of segue into that bit?
2: Yes. So 2015, the struggle for myself is that in 2015, I moved from Orlando to Sarasota. So while I still attended, I think I did nine nights at the event, I wasn't there as often as when I lived in Orlando. So unfortunately, I did not participate in the 2015 event because it was only the final weekend again, Mm -hmm. and I only attended the final night of the final weekend. And 2015, obviously, is such a fabulous year. So many great zones, so many great houses. I was too worried (laughs) about missing out on all the final night activities to attend the event. But again, I have friends that went to it. So I do know what happened. Um, It was kind of similar to the 2014 event where they, I believe they put out a call this time that said, if you're interested in participating, come to this space and we'll give you a return time. So then they were given a return time to go into a briefing where they were kind of told that they're going to be going on investigation, that you opened up. A portal during your seance last year and you let some spirits in like shame on you collective <laughs> causing all this havoc again and that they would be going to a separate area to do an investigation later on in the night so at that point they were given a return time to go into sting alley and they had a setup there with a bunch of props from previous years and the various totems from each legion. And they were given a task, I believe, to take pictures of different items. So they had some of the Legendary Truth TVs from the Wyandotte Estate. There were the totems. They had horror unearthed gear, just a bunch of items left over from those years. And then from what I can tell, the technology testing that year was a virtual reality experience where that went into more of the lore with Dr. Thorncastle and the mansion that we've been working with in 2013 and something to do with the icons and why they'd been released and what had happened with them being released from the lantern.
1: So, so a lot of yeah again a lot of um what what was the word I'm looking for? Kind of um corruption again. Um, so the um, <laughs> the collective obviously blamed for letting fear out of his lantern, Jack out of his box, uh, fierce heralds, you know, with the icon. So it's pretty cool. And then do you think in terms of like, I guess that were guinea pig using all these technology that was leading up to the repository, the first up charge?
2: 100%. Yeah. So I, between 2014 and 2015, I think that was 100% leading toward the repository. It was something that, Andy had obviously been developing. It was a brainchild of TJ of wanting to bring in this technology and having these smaller experiences rather than going through a conga line house mm-hmm. of having these personalized technology based experiences at fortnite.
1: Yeah, and I think they've 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 nailed it. To be honest, um, especially the fandom people people love it. The lore's great, um, and we've been pretty pretty dormant since. Right, there's been nothing.
2: Yeah. So unfortunately. The reality is that Legendary Truth was very much the baby of T.J. Manorino and Rick Spencer. And a big event that happened in 2016 is that T.J. was promoted to a vice president position. And so I assume he's not that active into the day-to-day operations of Halloween Horror Nights anymore. And so I think that's a big reason why we saw Legendary Truth kind of go more dormant in the recent years, because it was very much his baby and his, his passion project.
1: That's, that's a great point, actually, because a lot of people would, I think the first thing a lot of people go to was a lot of IPs, you know, so maybe it's taking a back step because the IPs, but yeah, when you put it that way, that it's his brainchild and he's taking a more of a back step for a promotional role. But um, yeah, that's pretty much kind of picking your brain about everything Liz. That's just some of those experiences you've had um even like like i said uber horror nights fans are not going to experience that as well um what do you think gary just uh holistically all those experiences
0: i, I would have loved to do that 2013 was actually my first year going to, to florida as a whole and i remember i didn't know anything about horror nights because it was, it was meant to be a once in a lifetime trip that we had booked um because coming from the uk can be quite expensive so it was just meant to be like a one and done thing and obviously, you know, seven years later. Um but I remember walking around Universal and saying props for Halloween Horror nights and not knowing what they were for. And I remember seeing the little um the merchant stuff set up in the Twister store had some Horror Nights stuff in as well. And I'm like, this looks really cool. Um but I didn't get to go and now I wish I did because I could have seen some of the Legendary Truth stuff. Um but now I really want some in-park stuff but With the crowd levels over the past few years, could that even be possible to do that kind of thing now?
2: That's the Um, other thing. That's another big factor is after 2016, it just got busier and busier every year. So it's hard to even try to direct fans in different times because it's very hard to do all 10 houses in one night at this point. And even to try to tell people to do houses in a particular order, they could spend all night trying to do that. So it's yeah. definitely difficult now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially with the um, how popular the event is now, because if you have people congregating for, uh, I don't know, part of a game, everybody's going to congregate, you know? You just go to yeah. where the crowds are a lot of the times. Um, but what do you think now? I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. What, what can we expect for the future of Legendary Truth or any predictions, or maybe just what you would like, I guess, right forward?
2: I... I am hoping that with the Legendary Truth house this year, that we will see a Legendary Truth presence at the event beyond just the house. If it's just an online game or if it's even just a little hint of it at the park, I do hope that there's some tie-in and some more lore that goes with it. I don't know if there will be, but I do think if you're going to have a Legendary Truth house that they're likely going to tie it in somehow. So I do hope we at least get an online portion that we can do from home if the in-park isn't possible at this point. I hope there's at least an online portion.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. Would you participate in that, Gary, the online things for Legendary Truth? 100%, because obviously <laughs> at
0: the at the minute, it doesn't look like I'll probably get to go to this year's event, unfortunately. But, fingers um, crossed. but if I can take part some, some way at home, that would be awesome for me. Put a smile on me face.
1: Yeah, no, that's for sure. And I think with the um, in-game, maybe, like you said, it's, um, it might be a bit of a stretch uh, to have that good one for the fans or maybe even leading to next year, uh, you know, starting that lore up again. Uh, just a quick one as well. Do you know, well, best of your knowledge, is all the, I guess, the higher levels of Legendary Adventure, are they all the same? Like, are Dr. Thornton as, still at the, um, if you will?
2: As far as I know, the leadership is still the same as the last time we saw them in 2015.
1: Got it. Perfect. But yeah, that kind of brings us to um, a close in terms of history. I hope everybody did enjoy that, especially with all the first out account- first-hand accounts from Liz. We can't thank you enough for those. I, I think you had to maybe dig a bit deep into your uh, your own <laughs> vlogs this, yes, this, I had this had weekend.
2: To, I had to binge my own <laughs> vlogs to refresh my memory because it all blends together after a while.
1: <laughs> no, no, we appreciate you taking the time to do that. And I think we do have... Um, Kind of a couple of things here, Gary. Do we have the um, questions for Liz, the quick fire stuff? Yep.
0: So every guest that we get on the show, we like to do what we call the speed round. Um, it's just a this or that type of questionnaire type thing. So are you ready, Liz? I'm ready. Favourite house? Straight the on the forsaken spot.
2: Forsaken or Scarecrow?
0: <laughs> Favourite scare zone? We've already asked, but still. Yes.
2: <laughs> if I have to pick one, Invasion.
0: Pizza Fries or Twisted Taters?
2: Twisted Tater.
0: Favorite horror movie?
2: Halloween. The original.
0: Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Bill and Ted or Marathon of Mayhem?
2: Oh, Bill and Ted. I'm a, I'm a classic classic <laughs> Bill and Ted fan.
0: Original or IP?
2: Original. All day, every day.
0: Stay and Scream or Late Entry?
2: At this point, (laughs) late (laughs) entry with express.
0: (laughs) Zone or house?
2: Oh, you know I love my zones. I love to just camp and watch and film and watch it all unfold.
0: Agreed. Now, this is the most important question ever, Liz, and it's something that's quite serious and that we need to know. (laughs) Crinkle cut or straight cut fries?
2: You asked me because you know I'm on your side. Crinkle cut. Yes. No
0: Tim. Tim is going to be absolutely seethening. See and he's right not now. here
2: today to try to fight it. It's crinkle cut. Crinkle cut he, is superior.
0: He's even wrote it on here. He put quick fire questions for Liz and don't you dare answer Crinkle Cut. But he's made a mistake because <laughs> then he's put in brackets. Crinkle cut forever. Gary, me. you suck. Straight cut <laughs> rules. <laughs> With, which is a oh, tip.
2: <laughs> I put the parentheses. I went in and changed that to the crinkle cut forever. <laughs>
0: ah right
2: (laughs) he thought it was you that's great
1: we we, we thought tim was losing
2: it
0: i get the blame for everything (laughs) so liz with every guest that we have on the show we like you to plug anything that you're doing um i'm assuming anybody who is anybody who's listening to this show already knows but where can we find you what are you doing what sort of vlogs are you putting out leading up to horror
2: so thankfully mine's easy. You can find me at Disco Liz on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Obviously, YouTube is my main focus. I put out weekly vlogs and travel vlogs, and right now for sure, lots of Halloween Horror Nights, Halloween Scream haunt content. I'm planning to go to as many Florida haunts, well, central Florida haunts, I should say, <laughs> this season. I've got my pass for horror Nights, I got my pass for Hellas Tampa, going to Hell's Orlando, planning to go to Sir Henry's, just as much haunts as I can get to. So I'm covering the news and vlogging while I'm there. So the hot we're, scene we're in Florida to, covering
0: it all. We're, we're all going to Sir Henry's the same night, I believe, as well. So it'll yes, be cool yes, to have we uh, well, I might not be, but um <laughs> and if, if I can, if 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 I am allowed into the country. I won't be hiding in the background of Liz's vlogs. I'll actually, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, make, I'll make a little appearance and we can grab a beer and uh, shoot some stuff in the zones. But yeah, very excellent. <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep, I think yep.
1: as well with uh, Liz, if you are a big Horror Nights fan, you have tons of vlogs for like, over a decade, right? Even I
2: do. Some, like, so. I started vlogging, purposely vlogging the event in 2012, but I have videos from 2010 and 2011 on my channel. They just weren't vlog style, but I started vlogging the event in 2012. So I have playlists from every year from 2012 through
1: now. Nice. Yeah, go check those out. That's awesome. Awesome.
0: So, Ash, where can we find us?
1: We are on Twitter and Instagram at RIPTourPodcast.
0: And we also have a YouTube channel now, which you and Tim put the first vlog, well, official vlog out.
1: Yeah, the first the official one. I think we've um, we need to do a little bit more content for the YouTube um, to kind of beef that up a little bit. I think we've neglected it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but with what the event starting nineteen days, Yay! Be, uh, <laughs> plenty of. Um, and I'm I'm just looking at Liz's uh, merch, legendary truth. You can't even see this because it's a podcast, but she is she has a legendary truth on there i think that that year they did, they did the shirt they had decal they had
2: yeah um, so i have they, had, they had a car decal they had the shirt i believe they had hats i got the shirt and the car decal and i just saved the decal so i still have it in my collection
1: oh yeah there's gonna be a collective member stealing those <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. off cars. yeah you don't want that uh, at all um Gary Merch, we have our merch link on the the Twitter page, correct, in the bio? Yeah, I
0: believe it's still the, the pinned tweet. Um, we have some cool T-shirts. We have um, a few different designs out there. Tim's still working on the print, um, but Brady is going to college, so he's been concentrating on that. But once Brady's all moved into his dorm room, Tim's going to get back on the prints, and we're going to order some ready to... To get out there because we, we promised them over a month ago in um, at the minute Tim still has one of one
1: uh, RIP to our print um, and we also have buttons we've got buttons as well we, we've got buttons and I've actually got some of those in my possession now so if I'm there Tim, Tim gave me like a handful so I think that's three of us have got them. I think Luke's got some too
0: I think mean, I'm, I'm the only one who doesn't have an <laughs> RIP button <laughs> um, I'll get one one day one day but uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Liz, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Um, we hope that you come back and talk some more Horror Nights with us, um, be it another Horror Nights history episode or even just come to chat about um, your experience at this year's event and uh, pop and say hello in one of our blogs, uh, video vlogs and just maybe just walk around the background and just <laughs> get, <laughs> get Hide
1: in the background, you mean?
0: payback on me for the last two years but uh but yeah i've had a blast i've learned a ton it's been awesome thank you for spending some time with us
2: thank you thank you for having me i'll gladly return another time
0: awesome so that's going to wrap this show up guys thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed it if you did please leave a five-star review it really does help us get up in the charts on the podcast scene so thanks guys bye